Good morning. Well, it's good to be back again and got every got Vicky back home and everything's I think okay. A few less people amazes me every year. I go and have a full house, I come back and it's half empty. It just amazes me. I just don't understand that. But we'll keep working and we'll keep going and by Easter it'll be filled up again. What do you bet? Uh, you know what though? Sometimes it's just uh, it's it's okay. People need to reflect on where their hearts are at and, and where they really really belong to God or not. If they're here for the wrong, you're here for a man, you're here for the wrong reasons. Uh, if you're here for the music, you're here for the wrong reasons. Uh, you should be here because God has drawn you here and he's changing your lives. So yeah, I always look at it as a time for people to reflect really why they're here. And we're talking about living letters. We talked about it last week. If you wasn't here last week, I would highly suggest you go to the SoundCloud and you listen to the sermon last week because it will tie in with this sermon this week. It's a six verses out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and a few other verses to go along with it. <clears throat> but it's a living letters, and, and uh, Paul wrote, uh, wrote this down for us. To, and uh, It's to show us uh, what a living letter looks like. And, and of course, a living letter is us. And what, and what, a, what a living letter is, is as we come together to church, what it should look like. And so we're going to get in the second half of that, starting in verse 4 in a few minutes. Um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we thank you for uh, Brooke and uh, the praise team, Father, and how they just uh, continue to commit to you, uh, Lord, that each one of them, is, there's a lot of them up here, Lord, and they all are so committed to, uh, to their ministry, Father, that you have given them, and we are so blessed to have them. So, Father, I thank you so much and uh, for the children's leaders that are teaching our children, Father, that the, the, the commitment they have, and Lord, the, the children's church is back in here that was in there last, last month. Lord, they're here this month in the sanctuary. We thank you for that. Lord, we ask you to, just to help the ones that are out sick and uh, the ones that are, are here, on, some are on vacation and things going on. Lord, we just ask you to be with them and bless them. Father, it's your name we pray. Amen. Paul wrote these letters because <clears throat> I told you, as I talked to you last week a little bit about it, I'll give you a little background. Paul wrote this, 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 these six verses, mainly these six verses, because there was false teachers, false preachers coming in and, and claiming another thing, claiming that Paul didn't have the right to, to preach the word of God, and, and it, it, he needed the letters, certain letters or whatever, and it, it was just a, it's the same thing we have today. People complain and gripe, and, and it's people coming in that are trying to disrupt what God's trying to build, what God's trying to do. Um, Nothing much changes with people's personalities and their attitudes. It's still the same. Still have that disruption today. So Paul writes these down that we can truly see what a living letter looks like. And one of the things, we'll start in verse 4 here, but one of the things that, that I come up with immediately is the confidence Paul has in Christ. He's, he's, he's truly going to separate that the, the, his, his, everything about him is for one reason, Jesus Christ. He is, he is really just so confident in what God is going to do through him, what God will do through the church, no matter if it's Paul or somebody else. He is confident that God will do it. Amen? I am confident 
that God will do what he wants to do. I guarantee you it will be accomplished with me or without me. It will be accomplished. God will get it done. Amen? We need to, we need to learn that. God will get it done. He wants to use us, especially those he's, he's, he's got a specific task for you, a specific job for you, and he wants to use us to accomplish these things. But if you're not willing, he'll, he, he's got somebody else in mind. He'll offer you the opportunities. If Moses wasn't willing to go to that burning bush and wasn't willing to do what he did, guess what? He would have lifted somebody else up to do it. It wouldn't have ended with Moses and God was like, Moses won't work for me, I can't do nothing. He would have had somebody else to be right there in his place. That's how God works. The blessings come when we listen to God and are ready to follow him. In this first, uh, let, me, uh, let me go back last week and just read the last verse that we finished with. And it was verse 3 and it goes like this. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter, first, I mean, chapter 3, verse 3. And it says, clearly, you are the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written with ink, but by the written uh, with ink, but written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the Living God, and not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is, of a heart. As we take off today, uh huh, uh huh. There we go. Church culture, in general, has become more come and see than go and be. You know, and I'm guilty of it too. I said, well, come and, and, and see Brooke and the music team, or come and, and enjoy this or enjoy that. And, and we've, we've got comfortable with come and see instead of go and be. And I believe Paul and Lava, in the beginning of the new church, they, they were always going out. They were always going to be. They were taking God out. They were taking Christ out to the world. And today it's got so comfortable, just, well, come into the church and let's see what the church has got to offer me, the children's programs, the, uh, the, uh, the, the ministry teams, or whatever it might be. Let's see what the church has got to offer. And that's probably about 95% of the people when they walk into a church, they're looking to see what the church has to offer them. And I'm telling you, that's completely wrong. Now, if you're a new believer, I understand that. But if, you're, if, you're, if you've been a believer for a while, if you're moved off to another church or gone somewhere else or whatever, how God's moved you around, when I walk into another church, it should be the, the mindset of mine should be how, what have I got? What has God got from, that he's given me that I can offer back this church? So, well, the, the church doesn't have the children's program like I like or the whatever. Well, you, maybe you're the person God's going to put in that church to overtake that children's program, to do something powerful with it. But because if our attitude is, well, let's see what the church has got to offer me, we've lost the, really the true love of saying, what can I offer the church? That it can become what God wants it to be through me. He said, well, it takes a while to do that. Well, I'll promise you, if you go into a church that, uh, that there's any size of all, yeah, you're going to have to sit there for a while. You're going to have to engage. You're going to have to get involved. And then God will move things to allow you to be where he's taking you. But so often people say, nope, don't have the right stuff. I'm not going there. And out the door they go. Well, I'll tell you, with that mindset, you're always going to be in the wrong mindset with God. At least in my opinion. Church culture in general has become more come and see than go and be. Now, I, don't have, I want you to invite people to do the church. 
There's no doubt about that. I want them to come in and recognize the church. But I want people that want to know who Jesus Christ is. I, I want people that want to really settle down, want to really get accomplished through their life what God's trying to accomplish. Man, those are, the, those are the people, those are the disciples that Christ changes the world with. Amen? If those 11 disciples that he started changing the world with and he added Paul and Barnabas and others, if they weren't completely sold out for God, the world would not have got changed. If they would have said, well, what do you got to offer me? And Jesus looked at him and said, a lot of you are going to die a martyr's death. Now, people come to the church and I say, they say, what do you got to offer me? I say, well, you come on in and people are going to hate you and they're going to beat you up and uh, you may get killed. They're not going to stick around. But yet the original disciples did. So, man, something's changed. Somehow, something has changed dramatically with the church. I believe it's, we forgot to be living, loving letters. And Paul so brilliantly and beautifully emphasizes this so much. That if we truly are the living letters that Christ wants us to be, then we'll go and be. Amen? Does that make sense to you guys? Or am I just blowing wind? Verse 4, it says, and we have such trust. This is Paul. He says, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. That's his confidence. He doesn't really, I don't have to have confidence in, 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 in all of you. Some of you I have a great confidence in, but I have to have confidence in God. And not only that, I have to have confidence in God. I have to have confidence in God's word. Amen. I mean, I've got to have confidence that what God says is true. I've got to have confidence that what God promises, he'll promise it. He'll fulfill those promises. I've got to have confidence in all of those things. Or I'm telling you, the world will eat you up and spit you out. You've got to have that confidence. And Paul had it. And he says right here, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. He knew the way to God. He knew the way home, and it was through Christ. And his trust was in that. It wasn't in men. It wasn't in anything that the church had to offer. It was in Christ. Amen? And I'm telling you, it's got to be in Christ. And we'll read in a few more verses of why it's so important that Paul puts this out there. It's got to be that way. In Acts 4.3, it says, and, they, and this is John and Peter, and, and, and Peter's talking, he's, he's saying, and they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. And Peter would go on to preach, and I'm just give you a few verses here. But Peter would go on and preach. We're in the wrong. We're in a, <clears throat> Peter would go on and preach because of the boldness he had. No matter where that, no matter where God was taking him, he would go on and preach that way. People get in a little trouble in the church, or something goes wrong, and all of a sudden. They're going to, out the door they go, or this, that, and the other. They don't stick around to try to help out, to try to help solve problems. It's just easier to leave, so let's leave. But Peter, here he is, he healed a man, and he's getting in trouble for it. He's getting beaten for it. He's getting in prison for it. And this is what happens, and they laid hands on them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Well, that's, did he lose his confidence in Christ? No, he would come out of there and like be dancing and going and telling everybody what happened. He had more boldness because of what happened. What an amazing thing if we'll just allow God to overwhelm us. 
You know, there's storms in our lives, isn't there? I mean, there is storms in our life. If we could learn to live through the storms, and maybe not so enjoy them so much, but just learn that it is part of our life, and that we can get through them because I have confidence in Christ. As living letters, we need to quit looking at what the church can do for me and my family and instead commit to being the church. Amen? Amen. To be the church. I mean, be the church. Be ready to do those things that need to be done. Be the church. Then we would quickly get serious about loving people who, know, who don't know Jesus. You know, if, 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 if people come into the church and, and they want to be this living letter, but yet they want nothing to really change about their lives, what makes you think God's going to use you in any way? How can he use you in any way? He can't. You've got to be willing to change to become the church. The church that he set up, not the church that we want to set up, but his church. Through the confidence of who he is in our lives. You know why people don't get serious about winning people to the Lord anymore? Because they're too busy worrying about themselves. We're too worried, we're too worried about ourselves to get past learning to live to the Lead somebody else to the Lord or to love people through their circumstances. Love people and let them understand who God is in their lives. That's why so many churches struggle so, so much. There's a few people in them that really want to do right. And the rest, they're there for themselves. You say, oh, preacher, you go, there you go again. Paul went through this and he's warning us. I give, last week I gave you some examples of living letters and what that looks like. Well, if we want to be a living church, then we've got to be a living church. And we've got to be able to give back to people what God's given us. Does that make sense to you guys? Not that we are significant Sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. Okay. Paul's going to go to the well, big heart of the problem with a lot of us. is If I want to be this living letter, then I cannot let pride interfere in my life. Pride and God, they just don't go together. You know what I mean? God's not going to use your pride. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. The one, of the, one of the biggest hang-ups that people have so, so desperately, and I love them so much, is that they, they think the church can't survive without them. Now, I'm here to tell you, this church survived without me, okay? You may not like it, but it will. It can survive because it's full of Christ. He's the head of the church. It will survive. It's not about you or me. It's always about him. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. And you'll find out in the next verse, but it's always about Christ. There's nothing good about me. There's nothing superior about you. It is Christ in you. Amen? I wish you could, I wish the world would get that. Because if they would get that, they would understand who God is. They wouldn't be making up a God for themselves. They would truly understand I'm not a handsome guy. I'm not a great guy. Christ is what makes me good. And only Christ. It's not that we are sufficient 
of ourselves. We're not to think anything as being from ourselves. You say, well, I put that Sunday school class together, I put that sermon together, I built this church, or I, I did this, or I did that. Man, that's a joke if you think you can do it. And your pride is destroying what God wants to make in your life. I talked about Alvin a lot last week. I'm not going to talk about him a whole lot this week. But a man of humility reaches more than men with great power and pride. A man with humility, no matter who it is, or a woman with humility, you'll do, and you could be the poorest person on the planet, you can do more for Christ than any king or president if they're not with Christ. Once you understand that it's God's ability through you, your life makes, it makes complete sense. Sometimes we go through those storms and we get beat up a little bit and things happen and God does it so we can understand that it's not about me, it's about him. And several people, David went through it, Job went through it, many other people went through it, Ruth went through it, many other people went through it in the Bible. Esther went through it, Paul went through it, all the disciples went through it. They went through those storms to find out who they really were in Christ. They could find out that their only significance came from Christ. Can I say that any more, any different than I'm saying? That, but our significance is from God. John 15, 5, I am the vine. This is Jesus, letters in red. He says, I am the vine. He says, this tall vine heading up to the, up to the heavens. You are the branches. This beautiful vine heading to the heavens, from earth to heaven, and all of us, we are the branches. We're not the vine, we are the branches. We're added to the vine. You, we are the branches. He who abides in me, this is Jesus, letters in red again, now he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Amen? Okay, now, bears much fruit. Now, let me think about that for a minute. What does bears much fruit mean? Well, that means there's something in your life that's showing Christ is in your life. Amen? That's what that means. There's something going on that really shows that Christ is in your life. And if you're all about everybody doing everything for you, then I'm sorry. You've missed some scripture. It's about serving Christ and serving others. Amen? It always has been. It's not about how good you are, how good you think you are, or what you're doing, or what you will do. It says here, who bears much fruit. Now, I'll tell you what, you can let a fruit tree, we had you to have some fruit trees down in Brown County, and Ryan, my oldest son, would always buy some, uh, I don't know, some kind of fruit tree, me and Vicky say, oh, here we go again. And, and they would be planted out back, we'd say that because nothing would ever grow on them, and stuff that did grow on them, you didn't want to eat them. You know why? We never took care of them. And Ryan would come out, and he'd come out, and he'd say, Dad, the, the lemon tree out there is dying. Yeah, I know. I didn't do anything for it. It's going to die. If it don't rain or whatever, it's going to die. I don't, I don't, I'm not touching that. I don't have time to monkey those trees and whatever. You know, it takes work for the fruit to come on the tree. Amen? Or it just comes on the tree, and you look at it, and you say, I'm not going to eat that one. Some of us got some fruit, and little people look at that fruit and say, that dude's got wormholes in it. You say, well, turn it around. 
Maybe it'll look better on the other side. I'll tell you what, bad fruit's bad fruit. Got me? You take a, bad, a bite and a bad orange or something like that. My dad used to call him a, he'd say, Paul, that fruit's banana. He'd go out there in Florida and we lived down there and he'd say, that orange is it's kind of puffy, Paul. I said, what, man? Puffy is what he called. I don't know why he called it that. Or pity or something. I don't know what he called it. And you go out there and you touch it, it'd be kind of hard. You, you peel it back and you good. You're not going to eat it because it's no good. Now let me ask you something. What good would somebody out in that world want of your fruit if your fruit's no good? But yet it says here that we are the vines, and I am in him and he's in me, bears much fruit. For without me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, now wait a minute. Now I know there's church after church after church out there with thousands of people in them preaching some kind of word of God that's just full of people. You say, well, that's something, isn't it? I'll tell you what. I'll take, I'll take 11 good people. Give me 11 that really want to know the truth, that really will live the truth, that will become the good fruit. Over 10,000. Give me 11. You know why? Because the 10,000, they're going to fall off the tree and become no good. They're going to make the other 11 look bad. Give me the 11. I'll take the 11. We'll start there. We'll start there. See, if you want to be this living letter, there's only one way to be it, and that is the way that God intends it to be. Amen? The people that, that God uses are people that God has given them a task and they're fulfilling the task that God gives them. They're not trying to leapfrog over to get to somewhere else because they didn't like the task God gave them. Well, I don't want to be a Sunday's teacher, but God allowed you to be there. He wants you, well, I don't want to have kids, you know. So you want to leapfrog over that. I want to be the head deacon. Yeah, that's me. You, you want to leapfrog. It doesn't work that way. I'm telling you, until you accomplish the first thing that God gives you to do, he will not give you the second thing because you didn't like the first thing. You, you, don't, you believe me? I'm telling you, that's the way it is. You can go through the word of God, you'll see how you're not going to get the second thing. He's not going to compromise with you and what you think because everything is through him, and anything that's done through him is done how? Perfectly, amen? It's done righteously. It's done for the right reason. And it will bear beautiful fruit. And silly people like me that should be out there spraying the trees and doing the proper things. I should have been doing those things. I would have had good fruit on my apple trees and my peach trees. But instead I didn't. See, God gave us this analogy that we can use it back for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. Who also made us sufficient. As Paul's going to hammer this right now. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. I'm going to stop right there. If we're bearing that good fruit and we're this living letter. And we've learned to be humble and live through the storms. And, allow, and know the storms are what grows us so passionately. We become ministers. I'm telling you, ministers 
are the ones that walk into a church. You may have moved to a different state. You may have, maybe the church you was in closed down. Maybe God was moving you along, whatever that particular reason. But you walk into the church, and you look, and you pray, and you say, God, where will you use me here? How can you use me here? How can I help this church? Wow. Boy, give me a church full of people like that. Do you see the difference? See, those are the ones that are living letters. I mean, they're doing it the way God asked them to do it. Now, others are going to have to come along. They're going to have to mold and change and let God mold and change them and break them to get there. But there's so many that need to be there. You know why? Because I'm confident not in myself, but in God who put me there. Amen? It's not pride, it's confidence. It's humility, knowing that there's nothing about me that's any good. Knowing that only Christ can change me to become who he wants me to be. I think that's what Paul's trying to stress here more than anything. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Because we're learning to bear fruit. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. We gotta stop there for a minute. So this is the this is where Paul, if we really just if he had a big sledgehammer, he would have been using it. Not of the not of let me see. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. The letter being Levitical law, the Ten Commandments, what the Jew, excuse me, what the Jews are some of them are still living by today. It's the letter that, that a lot of denominations will still use today. It's a letter that, that a lot of people out in the world that don't know God will use today. It's that letter that says, I'm good enough. I'm good. And because I'm good, God, you'll have to accept me because I'm good. Now, God, I have done what I believe I need to do correctly. I've read your Bible. I'm living, and I, you know, I've read that Bible when I was a kid. Well, I, I actually believe some of it. Now, God, you know that I try to do the right things. I only cuss when I get mad. I only do drugs or get drunk when I'm really down and out. Oh, God, you know that I mean well with that fifth ex-wife of mine. Oh, God, I, I, you know I mean well. God, if you'll just get me through this one more time, we'll be just fine. God, you know I'm good. How many people have told you they're good people? How many people do you know that think they're going to get to heaven by being good? Paul's warning us here. If you're going to live by the letter, if you're going to live by the law, then you've got to do the law. And you've got to do it from the time you know the difference between right and wrong. You can't, if, you, if you've sinned when you're 10 or 12 years old and you knew right from wrong, you're doomed to hell. You could live the rest of your life out perfect. It won't matter because that sin is not allowed in heaven. Amen? And if that sin is not covered by Christ, it will not go to heaven. So being good, part of your life, and being good, not part of your life, it don't cut it. I'm sure Hitler was some good sometime in his life, according to him. I'm sure Goldman Mussolini was good sometime in his life. I'm sure a lot of these dictators were good sometime in their life, according to them. 
They live by their own laws. You can't. It says here, not of the letter. That means works. Not of works, but of the Spirit. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills. Who wrote that down? That, that's written by Paul, but through God, he says, for the letter kills. That means the good works that you think you have, it will kill you. It will be an eternal death. But the Spirit, everybody says what? Gives life. Gives life. One of the biggest things that cringes me is when I hear people, when they want to convince me that they're good people. You don't have to convince me. I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. You're trying to convince yourself a lie. Now, one of the first things you need to know when somebody's telling you that is they need prayer. And they need deep prayer through you because they truly don't understand the word of God. More was dying down, and so we all went to join the Marines. All three of us drive down there. I drive us all down there to Indianapolis, went into the building. The place was packed that day. And we all got separated. We was going to go in on that buddy plan. We all got separated. And by the end of the day, we all met back up. And these two guys, they got, they're signed up and ready to go. And I said, I got a problem. They wouldn't take me. They looked at me. This is your idea. <laughs> yeah, I know, but they wouldn't take me. I had some health issues. And they wouldn't take me. Uh, I never, you know, them guys never let me. They took years for them to quit talking about that. <laughs> One of them went off and got married, and he, he's accepted the Lord since I've known him years ago, and he's doing, I don't I haven't talked to him in probably 25 years. And, but Abe, we got hooked back up together last year, and I started this relationship with him. Now, he, he didn't know what I was doing, but my relationship was trying to get him closer to God. And then I was praying that God would bring other people in his life, in which he did. He brought other people that started asking him questions and spending time with him that knew God. So then he calls me when I'm on vacation. He asked me about being baptized. And I said, yeah. He said he was sprinkled when he was young. And I said, what did that mean to you? He said, nothing. I said, because it's not in the Bible. It's just something that some people do. But unless it has I mean something to you, then it can't really mean anything. Nobody else can do anything to get you closer to God. It, it's between you and him. It's between you and God. It, uh, being, being baptized doesn't get you saved. It doesn't get you in the gates of heaven. It doesn't get you in the presence of God. It's accepting Jesus Christ into your life and then becoming baptized because of obedience. So Abe, he says, I, I said, what do you need baptized for? He said, well, my, my girlfriend said I need to do that. And I said, well, yeah, but Why? And so that started that communication, and I've known this young man since for, what, 50 years? Well, long story short, he was here last week by himself. We went out to lunch, come back, got in the room, my office back there, started talking about God more. In a little bit of time, he was on his knees asking the Lord to come in his life. Amen? Now he can get baptized, because now he knows what it means. Living letters. See, the ultimate goal is to build the kingdom of God. I love the church, but I love the kingdom of God. I love the church in general, the whole church. I love giving people. Now, Abe can't come to church here. We'll baptize him here probably pretty soon, but he, he's going to be going to church up in Indy because that's where he lives. 
But I love giving people, I call it a kickstart, you know, that motorcycle, you know, and you, you, I had motorcycles, you kick them, and we wouldn't start. Well, that's a lot like a lot of people. You know, they don't have the fire, the plug in them, you know. The fire's not there, and it just won't start. And you just kick and kick, and your leg's tired. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? You just keep working with people, and pretty soon you just get tired of kicking them, man. But I'll tell you, hang in there. Be confident in God. See, I never had in my mind about that young man getting saved. Ten years ago. And all of a sudden, he gets a hold of me. Boom. What's the first thing that comes to my mind? God's going to be working with this man because that's the only reason he would have got a hold of me. Now, he doesn't even know that, but I know that. Amen? Because I have complete confidence in God. And I know I want to be the living letter. Now, see, somebody back in your high school, or actually grade school, seventh, sixth, seventh grade, guess what? They know everything about you, don't they? They do. Now, they don't know the stuff many years we was missing, but they know a lot of stuff about me. Jesus said he... When he went back to his hometown, he even had trouble in there. Abe, when he met me, he realized that I'm not that letter I used to be. I'm a different letter. I'm a living letter. God wants to make your living letter fruitful. Amen? He wants to make the crossing a blessing to the community. We've got the teams coming up pretty soon, and of a team party in a couple of weeks, we'll have a dinner afterward, and, and the teams will be set up outside there. If you're a team leader, you need to be getting with Brooke. Brooke, raise your hand, Brooke. Brooke, she's waiting for you to get with her, and she'll help you get stuff set up. Well, when Jim's back there, Jim, where you at? Jim, we're going to have a dinner, right? Right after church, two weeks from now. The Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Galatians 3, 10, 11 says, it says, for as many as are of the works, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Now, why would, why would, why would God tell us that living under the law, living under the works, the workspace means anything outside of grace? If you believe in anything outside of grace, you're talking about works. And it says here, for as many are as of the works, which is everybody that comes to you and says, I'm a good person, I'm sure God's going to be okay. Or anybody, you go to your funeral and they say, it was a good person, God's going to be, he's there in heaven now. Tell me something different. Tell me how much they love God. Tell me about the fruit. Amen. Tell me about it. Tell me how that fruit tree just grew and blossomed and so mighty fruits on it. It was beautiful. Tell me that. But don't you dare tell me even a good person. Tell me about the fruit. Tell me the blossoms. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law. To do them means you have to follow that Levitical law from the time you know what sin is until the time you die without breaking one of those laws to make it into the gates of heaven. And you're not capable, and neither am I. Nobody is. And God gave us those things so we could see how important grace is. Curses everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But, verse 11, 
but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live, say that for me, by faith. faith. Now we're back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's faith and grace, baby. It's grace and faith. Say grace and faith. It's Jesus Christ's grace, and it's the faith to believe that. Not by works, but by faith and grace. Why is that so important? Why am I I pounding on that so much? Because to be living letters, I've got to have that down pat in my life. That when people come and I can see God wanting to start working in somebody's life, that I am ready, willing, and confident in Christ that what he will accomplish, what he started, he will accomplish. And he's going to use you to do it. Amen? You're so blessed. Do you understand how blessed you are to be used by God? What's your church address? What's the church address? It shouldn't matter. Which address is more, is, matters most to God? Where the building is located or where the address of the world? What's the address of the world? That's important to God. You know, so people should want to come to, to whatever church you're in because of your fruit, because of the, the change they see in your life, because they say, I need what that person's got. That person is a living letter for Christ, and I need that. That's what I need. That's what the 11 had, the 11 disciples. That's what Paul had. That's what all of the people after them had. Man, they had it, didn't they? Somewhere along the line, things changed. When you get your mail, you get in the mailbox, we look at a lot of stuff that comes in. I just brought this up because you know what? To me, this is just junk. Y'all get that junk mail? And you look at it, you really don't even look at it. Ain't no check in there. You just throw them out. Junk mail. I don't think Christ looks at any individual as junk. Now, he knows whether or not they're going to accept him in their lives or not. Because he's God. He knows everything. He wrote it. But I think he wants us, in fact, I know he wants us, to look at the people that you think are just junk, that are never going to get it, instead of throwing them away, instead of saying they're never going to get it. I think, in fact, I know he wants you to have a relationship with those people. And it may take years to win them to Christ. But I'll tell you what, you keep giving them enough fruit. Now I know Black, Blackwell back there, he loves cheesecake with strawberries, maybe a little whipped cream on top. He'll keep coming back for that, amen? He'll keep coming back for that because that's good stuff. Now you pass out a little strawberries with a little bit of something else on top of it once in a while, guess what? They're going to come back. In fact, they might drive a long way off just to get that particular piece of fruit. Amen? They just might because it's so good. It's so sweet to them because they're not junk to God. Now, if you're a living letter for God, you should have fruit. You should be always thinking about where's God going to use me? 
how can God use me in, in, in this church or wherever I'm at, at my work? How can I be a living letter to somebody? Is my fruit good? Is my fruit bad? Do I have to add sugar on it? What do I have to do? What do I need to do to get my fruit where God wants me to be? I've got a couple more verses I'm going to close. Brooke, come on up. This is John 3, 16. This is, this is what you read everywhere. I saw this on two buses coming home. They were full of military men. And on the back of the bus, it said John 3, 16. I think I told Blackwell about it. It was this cool because it was right on the corner. So everybody, everybody that pulls up to that bus, you can see John 3, 16. It didn't give the scripture, but it had John 3, 16. And everybody knows this, or you should know this. It's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's nothing about whoever is good enough to believe in him or whoever is good enough. It's all about whoever should believe in him. There's no more added to that. It's whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know how you can think you can be good enough when I read that verse. There are many letters lost every year. I'm talking about people. Letters that are just lost every year. And they're searching for something in the world that makes sense. It's a letter that maybe just started writing, just a, a few sentences, and maybe God's just starting to work with them. And they've got a, a few sentences out about how something going on in their life and how desperate they are. They're out there. They're everywhere. You don't have to look very far. They're everywhere. Everywhere. Searching for something in the world that makes sense. They're looking for the right address. Amen? Mine is called 777 Heaven's Way. That would, be, that would be the perfect heaven. That's my address, heaven bound, heaven home. As a church, not just this church, but as a church, we're obligated to go get them. Amen? Don't count them as junk mail. Don't do that. No matter how bad it looks. No matter how bad it looks. Because God loves them. He's, he's given us an opportunity to be a living letter. He can do it if you have one thumb like my friend Alvin. One thumb. Nothing else but one thumb. You can do it. They're looking for the right address. Teams. That's the teams in this church. You're, you're the living love letters to this world go every year I try to give you more ideas and plans I've got some more ideas and plans this year and I shared one of them with Eric where's Eric at good idea wasn't it Eric I'm not going to tell him what it is right now Eric Eric's going to do some research for me I'll bring it to you in a few weeks when Eric gets back but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and I've talked about that power all year long and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If your confidence is in God, 
and you want to be this living letter, then be it. Check your fruit. Are you getting enough prayer time? Are you watering it enough? Are you allowing the right Bible studies, the right people in your life to help prune your tree to be good fruit? Go out and see. This is your challenge. Go out and see what your team can accomplish by being living love letters for Jesus. If you're ahead of a team, we're going to change some things up this year. We'll talk about it as we go. And we need some people to lead some teams in this church. We need a youth, we need a youth minister. We need things. But we need to be praying over those things. Amen? God always brings what we need just in time. He always has. Every church needs prune just like every person. If we want to be good fruit, if we want to be the living, loving letter of Christ, then we do it His way and only His way. I don't want to be a good church. I want to be a Christ church. Let's stand. As they start singing, I'm going to open up the tables. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables. If you don't know Jesus Christ, some of you, you really need to surrender. You really just need to surrender. I mean, you just need to surrender. I mean, you just need to, to lay it out upon this altar to God and just say, I... I'm done with that life. And you let it go. You let it go. Be a living letter. Dear Lord, we come to you today, Lord, and we thank you for who you are in our lives. We thank you for the word of God that shows us the beauty of God. Lord, I thank you that you've never compromised with me, that you've never allowed me to do something easy just to get, get by. But Lord, you've always chosen the correct path for my life. Lord, would you bless us today? And Lord, as you bless us, let us bless you back. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.